Welcome to the Honest CV Podcast. We're the podcast for health professionals and the wider community looking to explore diverse ideas in health, ask some hard questions and have some honest conversations. My name is Archie. I'm an EP based on Sydney's Northern Beaches. And joining me as always is allied health business owner, Andrew. Andrew, how are you? I'm well. It's getting more and more aggressive. Well, <laughs> I feel like I'm going down a rabbit hole of now when I say Andrew, I have to go, Andrew. Um, I don't know why it's happening. It's happening. Just uh, go with it. It's fine. We're going to like go it. with it. Andrew, uh, <laughs> we have a guest today. <laughs> we have a guest. He's in the um, he's in the studio. Uh, his name is Ryan. Ryan, welcome to the pod, mate. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. You're so welcome. <laughs> I was expecting a more aggressive Ryan, but that's okay. Oh, do you want... <laughs> yeah. uh, welcome to the podcast, Ryan. That's better. Thank you. No, I apologize for that. That was really bad. <laughs> Ryan, before we get into your story, mate, uh, the important question is, what are we drinking today? Um, great question. So just go for it. So Get it out, pour it. We've got... We actually... We came a bit unprepared. Archie and I had to do an emergency stop at the bottle oak. Um, and we knew we were going to drink red wine. Um, it was very funny because we, we walked in, we saw the special. It was like two for 17... Um, and Archie was like, why don't we go have a look at, at all the wines? And I was like, oh, do you know what, do you know much about red wine? And he was like, no, do you? And we just, I don't think we read a single label. We just did a quick lap back to the $2, <laughs> the two for 17 and picked up a, a cabinet Merlot. Perfect. Yeah. Your cabinet. <laughs> picked up a cabinet Merlot. Cabinet Merlot. A Merlot. Um, yeah. And a Shiraz. So. Beauty. What yeah, should we could start be with? anything. Um, any preferences? No. Let's start with a Shiraz. Start that's a Shiraz. great idea. All right, crack it, crack it open, and then we'll we'll pour it. How close should I? Oh, that's close. Yeah, that's good. Oh, that was crisp. good. That's great. That, that'll we'll sound keep good. This one. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's let's pour them out. Pour some out. Let's um. Have we uh, we haven't done a wine before? Have no, we, we have not had a first, wine. This is our first non. You're making your face at me. Ma- Max. Remember Max, who came yes. on to talk about trauma-informed care? Thank you, sir. Um, he brought on like a, a bottle of floral... That's right. Was it beer? Or was oh. it just a floral drink? floral or something. It may have been a floral Thank wine. You. I don't really know. But it was something. We have not had a red wine before. We have not had a red wine before. Uh, we've had sour beers and stuff, but this is, I think this is our glow up. Maybe we're a wine podcast now. (laughs) (laughs) We're looking for wine sponsors. So if you, uh, if you are a wine company, Hunter Valley episode coming up. Yeah. (laughs) Well, let's have, let's have a taste of what we're dealing with here. What are you, what are you smelling? (laughs) Any any notes, any flavors? No, Archie's done. You asked me, what am I smelling as I was drinking it? Oh, no, I missed a step. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that's something you're supposed to do when you're t- trying wine. It smells good. Mm. Mm. Tastes like red wine at 3.30 on a Friday afternoon <laughs> to me. It's the beginning of a long weekend. Clean Skins is the place. It's in WA <laughs> from Dwelling Up. Supporting the locals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Margaret River Wine Distillery. Uh, I'd tell you more about it, but it's, it's really just a one label thing with a barcode on it. So I think we've probably gone the cheapest wine on the Mayfield Bottle O um, in Narrowena. 
Uh, but good stuff, clean skins. Well done. Anyone else? How's it feel? <laughs> it tastes good? Right, it's still in the job. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, calming the nerves. Yeah. Calm the nerves? Can't give you any notes. It tastes like red wine. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even remember if it's the Shiraz or the Merlot, but we'll keep it. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Uh, that's all right. That's about as in depth as our reviews of beverages normally go. So it's good. I said to Archie, I'm like, working in Marrickville for two years, seen enough craft beers. Let's shake it up. Nice. Good <laughs> shake up. Good shake up. Well, Ryan, why don't you um, tell us a little bit about yourself, mate? What What are you doing in Marrickville? I'm working at Longevity Exercise Physiology. Um, it's one of our many clinics across Sydney, um, and yeah, started there two years ago um, as a new grad and I was there by myself um, initially uh, and yeah, now we've got a team of four. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a pretty exciting journey. Um, and then yeah, playing some football in the Giants reserve team. Um, so captaining that team the last two years has been good. Um, yeah, anything else? <laughs> Don't there's there's a bit to unpack there, yeah. I reckon. Um, I'll I'll ask you a question. The balance between like elite sports and like having a work, right? How have you found that? Has that been easy, difficult to manage? Um, well, it is difficult, definitely. Um, and you, you do you do have to sacrifice you know a lot of things like there's no solutions with that schedule it's just trade-offs um, but it is something I've been balancing when I was at you know high school studying hard and then through uni um, so I wasn't new to like you know playing around with the schedule and making sure I'm fitting in all the priorities um, but yeah obviously like working in a clinic um, is very you know very challenging at the start like you, you're spending a lot more time um, on reports and programming and just solving all the challenges um, than you do when you've got a bit more experience um, but you know I, I found that I just see it as like exercise is going to be part of my schedule either way like I'm just doing it with an AFL team um, not much thinking involved just show up hold on for dear life and then go back to the clinic and see my clients, smack a few coffees so I can <laughs> be awake and then, yeah, it, it, it works out well. It's a, it's a good balance, I find. Nice. That's what you want your captain to say. Not much brain work involved, just, just turn up and run around. Yeah, well, for training, definitely. <laughs> There's a bit more thinking on game day. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So what, um, uh, say, going back the last two years during footy season, what, what does a normal schedule look like for you? So I imagine that's, there's quite a lot on there. Yeah, I'm not, not great at saying no either. So um, do the Monday to Friday has been pretty chockers. I'll, I work full time, mm. like have the whole time. Um, I've got a flexible schedule, which is like awesome, like longevity, mm. but really good with that. Like if you can, you know, if you can get the job done well, you've mm. got as much flexibility as you want, basically. Um, so that's been great I've also I've been um, yeah proud Sydney Uni alumni been doing some work with them um, get a boys 
find it really rewarding. We're hiring, as you are, like we're hiring a lot of their students. So it's been good mm. to um, build a connection there and yeah, got a lot of mentors there myself. So that's been good, um, but another part of the schedule. And then um, two to three sessions a week out at Sydney Olympic Park. Um, I try, obviously like the, the giants have said, you've got access to most of the week work comes first mm. um do your best mm. um obviously like the catch is like got to perform again yeah. it's like flexibility if you can perform yeah sure um so i'll sort of have a modified schedule where i can like go in early do a meeting um uh get gym done um with the conditioning coach away from like the group and then do the main session uh and then yeah, like games are, we're, we're in the Victorian Football League. So games are, and this will confuse a few people, we've got the Queensland teams, New South Wales teams, um, and Victorian teams, most of which are in Melbourne. Um, so most, like a lot of my weeks are in Melbourne. Mm. I'll fly Friday afternoon after work or, you know, or Saturday if it's a Sunday game. And then... Yeah, get back sometime. Like pretty often, we're getting back 9 p.m. Um, to Sydney Airport, and then big day of work the next day. So, you know, mm. you're spending a few tickets, but at the same time, like I've completely switched off from work for two days, mm. um, which is something that, you know, in off season, like I do find hard. Like I always am thinking about my clients and mm. what I can do to, you know, upskill all that stuff. Like mm. you can't do that when you're getting a football kicked at you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, like, it, I think there's, like, a lot of benefits to doing it. And I know a lot of my colleagues uh, are doing, like, a similar thing with their respective sports. Um, and, like, you get a lot of... Um, you get you get a lot of, like, personality traits and skills that, like, it's hard to develop in other environments, I reckon, so... Yes. Does that does that answer yeah. the question? Mm. Fuck oath it does. Um, I think one of the main <coughs> things that I took away from that is towards the end there, where it's like, because you're playing footy, your your brain has to completely switch off work for two days, which I think for a lot of new grads is super hard. It's something that we mm. have to deal with all the time. Um, not deal with sounds like a bad thing. Um, just kind of <laughs> coach people through uh, when they start working is now there's this huge mental load of you're caring for you know, somewhere between 15 and maybe 30 people a week um, and you care about their health and you care about their outcomes and, and how they're doing and are they, are they in pain right now and um, how are they managing? And then, you know, the, the you know, crap advice is, oh, make sure you just switch off when you go home <laughs> uh, and people go home and sit on the couch and are just like buzzed thinking about clients. It's like, yeah, and then make sure you get sleep. And so then people lie in bed going, fuck, how do I sleep when I'm thinking about clients? Um, I know in my, I'm a notorious uh, sleep talker. Um, <laughs> and uh, I know in my first year, especially, I've been known to like run gym sessions in my sleep. 
um, and just be talking, <laughs> be talking through clients and stuff while I'm beat asleep and just <laughs> and Sarah, my partner, be lying next to me and she'll wake up to me like trying to coach her through a session because um, I thought she was a client in my sleep. Um, Archie's seen 60 clients a week. Yeah, man. Like, time, time, 24 hours a day. There's no sleep. And then <laughs> she go like, just lie down, go back to sleep. And then I'm still in my head uh, thinking she's a client and my client's asking me to lie down and go to sleep next to him. I'm like, no, I can't do that. It's yeah. like, you don't understand. That's incredibly inappropriate for me to lie down next to you. <laughs> and my whole brain is just imploding. Um, so that's what it was like for me trying to, you know, turn off at the night. But it's fucking hard. So I like the idea of um, like having a proper structured activity, having a proper thing that uh, you can go to to actually turn off. Um, what do you do, Andrew? To like turn off well not from clients but from <laughs> from red wine <laughs> from red, red, red. <laughs> absolutely oh, it's, I, I agree it's really difficult mm-hmm. um, I think having like I, I would use exercise as a way to do that sort of forces you to think about something else if you're doing a fairly intense sort of exercise mm. um, I think I've always had like um, things that I'm working towards mm. in my I wouldn't call it sport, more like triathlon for me. Like there was always something that I was working towards and that made it easier to sort of flip the switch. Um, Not for a particularly long period of time, but at least for a couple of hours where I Mm. could just force myself to not think about Mm. work. But Mm. then it it sort of comes back and I think you, you learn how to do that. That's not something that you just figure out one day. It, Mm. It takes time to do that well. But I think that could be lots of things, right? I think that could be, um, well, Michael Risk from iMove. Mm. Um, PlayStation, right? Really? Um, the gamer. Yeah. And I, I think, but, and that's just an example that it doesn't have to be exercise yeah. related. It yeah. just, whatever is going to work for you to mm. turn off the, the work mode, um, explore. Mm. It has to be something that like uses your brain, right? Like the idea of finishing work, going home and then just shutting off uh, doesn't always work. Like having something like footy that, you know, requires some brain power to but apply it in a different way, you know, something maybe more creative or more mm. competitive or something. It seems like a positive thing. What happens in off season then for you? Do podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> Just um, guest on all the podcasts. No, yeah. No. Um, I've got a lot more energy for sure and time. Um, probably productivity probably doesn't go up that much. Mm. Um, like it is that um, idea that like gives something to a busy person if you want it done. Um, I think one of the one of the best elements of off season for me is that I can go away from that like pretty high stress, like bit more cognitive footy training to just running um, and, and doing like less intense, less like plyometric training towards that, like more therapeutic strength training um, and not being, not being as rushed with that. Um, 
I think away from exercise, like I'm not a big meditator, um, but I have found that like just having moments, whether it's like a walk or a, um, or a trip home without music, without a call, without anything, just silence has been like unbelievable for me. Um, yeah, read a book, Stolen Focus by I think like... Johan Hari. Yeah. yeah, that was... we Longevity Book Club, book of the year, I reckon. Um, mm. I read that last year and then recommended it and everyone who was in our meeting, I think it's had a really profound effect just because it... We are in a job where your to-do list can be ever-ending. Um, I don't think that changes whether you're a business owner or a new grad. Like, there's always more you can be doing and you just got to have some time, I think, every day where you do switch off um, fully, no input, mm. except mm. for maybe watching where you're driving, if you're driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck, um, you definitely have those times, though, right, where you just kind of you come to um, and you're like, how did I get home? Yeah. Mm. I was like, did I just turn off completely and was I concentrating on the road or how did I even mm. get here? Um, yeah. And I think, like, part two of off-season, obviously the biggest sacrifice is the social element. So um, reintroduce myself to the girlfriend. So she recognised <laughs> me. Um, she's a doctor. So we, yeah, definitely it, that's one of the, the hardest challenges and yeah. sacrifices in my in-season. Um, and, yeah, just like the other elements of social life, like you're sort of swapping footy from, um, with, yeah, more social events, which is fun. Nice. Good for the head. Um, yeah. More beers? Yep. Yep. There is more beers. <laughs> I think it like, I was saying, you, all my mates know when I finish footy. So like, <laughs> you almost, it's almost like the same amount of like, you know, energy given to like them as a footy game. <laughs> like, yeah. got so many things on every weekend when it hits off season, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, I think like it, those those meaningful relationships obviously I've got them at, at Giants but you know the more lifelong um, friendship groups like you, you do need that in your in your weeks and your months so that's my off-season mm. difference I think yeah mm. Mm. nice um, Ryan so you've been in practice for we were saying before about 20 months you reckon something like that yeah something like that and in that stage you're saying that you started in like a a a team of one at your site um and now you're a team of four Mm. which is wild wild growth i imagine you over that time you've had um quite a number of challenges what do you think have been like the main challenges um of that initial new grad journey that everyone has and then going into you know also building a team Mm. so quickly um i think firstly like obviously something to clarify is like i'm in a team it was a team of 30 yeah one at the location (laughs) so it it didn't feel like i was on my own Mm. but obviously Mm. you know you you haven't got like a physical person there always to um to bounce questions off Mm. um uh i don't know if our if my challenges would be much different to to yours at at the time um obviously you know a lot of responsibility being a healthcare professional i felt pretty confident in the 
the SNC exercise prescription department and obviously like leveraging that experience working with all the SNCs at like Swans and Giants historically was um, was really helpful. Mm. Um, what were the biggest challenges? Like obviously the, the learning curve um, and just the perceived learning curve. Clinically, you're like, you're always trying to find that like, that trick or that that extra bit of knowledge that you don't know um and you, you go on this wild hunt like whether it's social media like some podcasts like i listen to a lot of podcasts i read a lot of books um and you're always you're always finding like searching for that that trick for that client but i don't know if that exists most of the time mm. you do my experience has been that you do fall back on the fundamentals of exercise physiology and lifestyle management that you already knew mm. um you just don't know how powerful that is at the time because you've only seen it in case studies and um maybe you went to a great placement but you're there for six weeks like you're not mm. seeing drastic changes that you get for with like um you know a client across like maybe 12 weeks mm. Um, and, and once you do start to see that, you realize that like, if you can just get the basics right, you've got a really powerful, um, you know, health solution. Um, so that, that was something that I was challenged by. Obviously, like as I, as I built a team, you, you almost like, yeah, the, the accountability for a manager and a leader and that pressure, it, is pretty high um so yeah i guess like shifting from thinking that i need to have all the solutions for my team to building like self-solving skills and pointing them to the right mentor um you know making sure that you know similar to a client like you obviously like get to know them you you discuss their expectations from their job and their career um, and, and their goals and you set a really good strategy and you constantly help them and evaluate as you go. Um, that was a big learning curve and challenge as well. Um, yeah, probably park that, that answer there. Yeah. Do you, do you, what, what challenges did you guys have early days? Or, or maybe they're the same challenges now. <laughs> I, I was relating a lot when you were talking about just the fundamentals of exercise and how uh, I, I feel like social media kind of fucks you up a little bit. And, and the same with like professional development course marketing mm. also fucks you up a little bit where they, they market to you as this is the answer. This is the, the quick fix. This is the thing that will help you the one exercise that you don't know or the one assessment tool that you need that will solve all of your problems. And none of it's really a thing. Like you, you end up look, watching the video because they draw you in and they get the engagement from you. Um, and it's do external rotation in this position instead of this position. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. It's like, you got me. Or, you know, you, <laughs> you got me. Yeah, you got me again. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, I clicked on the video. Fuck. <laughs> And now I'm going to go, oh, this is the same as that thing. And then they go, yes, comment on my post. Very good. Come into my web. And, and then they win. <laughs> they win. Um, but yeah, and then you end up, you know, what CPD course is going to sell by saying, 
hey, do do your push pull squat hinge um, <laughs> at a good intensity, and you know also do some continuous aerobic activity like walking or swimming. It's like that's not that's not selling to anyone, right? Um, but but that's the stuff I end up prescribing to people. It's like, hey, you know, what meaningful activity do you want to do? Uh, and they go, well, I'd love to get back to swimming. It's like, cool. Let's start swimming then. <laughs> Fixed. <laughs> God, this guy's good. God, it's amazing. <laughs> and it's almost like, a, oh, I thought there was more to it. And it's like, well, the more to it is not necessarily in the, in the cool specific prescription. Uh, the more to it comes in the, well, can you actually motivate that person to make that behavior change uh, and get them on side and build that rapport and trust uh, and actually make long-term habits and, and routine changes for them. And that's the like the cool, interesting stuff that uh, a lot of courses don't seem to sell that. They sell the assessment and the exercise special thing and the special test because um, that, that looks sexy, right? Like, oh, wow. Do a two-day broomstick mobility course and, <laughs> and solve everyone's problems. Hey. Yeah, so I, I agree with that. And that's something that I don't think you ever really fully come around to either. Um, like I'm still doing that. It's like still coming back to that even more. Yeah, I think like recently just um, it, it's that realisation that like, you know, that, that drive to learn is good. Just make sure it's like you've got that, that concept that you're, you're adding knowledge mm. to what you know. You're not finding the panacea. Like you've already got the big rocks. Mm. It's cool to learn all the different variations and tricks. It, like it, there's an art to exercise prescription for sure. Mm. Um, so more is probably better because you will find someone who maybe it's just their preference and like you're aware of that that modification. Yeah, and the more um, and the more options you have, then the more you can suit someone's yeah, preferences, right? Definitely. Mm. Mm. Yeah, totally agree with that. On the second one, Andrew, I feel like you'd be able to relate a lot to the idea of well as a a team leader and not trying to fix everyone's problems uh, but early in a uh, in owning a business that must be hard because you you know the right way to do something and, and you have a way that you want things done and to trust other people to or empower other people to, to do things do tasks that you're offloading mm. that sounds difficult I mean, I, I imagine it's fairly similar to the experience that, that you, you both are having now that, yeah, you, you do want that, right? And, and I think, you know, we, we were sort of floating before this idea of autonomy, mastery and purpose, which comes from a book called Drive. And as an owner or even as a mentor, it's really difficult to let go. It's really difficult to see somebody do something that is different to the way that you would do it and be okay with that. It's, it's hard to let go. And maybe that, that is also seated in the fact that like my name is so tightly connected to the brand and to mm. the shirt that I'm wearing mm. that there, there's, a, there's a deeper connection to people doing something differently to what I would have done. Mm. Um, sitting here now, I can say that that's, that's a good thing. 
And in the same way that you do want to go and find all the different ways to prescribe exercise and all the different tricks and tips and all that sort of stuff, the same thing applies when you're working with humans in an organisation, that you have to find different ways of connecting and communicating and allowing people to, to make mistakes, learn from those mistakes, reflect on them so that they have a perception that you know they're less likely to make a mistake in the future um it's not easy Mm. um and some people try and that's the interesting thing is that there'll be some people that um business owners would say you know if this comes in if you see this do this like here is our protocol Mm. for acute low back pain or Mm. here's our protocol for a disc herniation at C5 OA or, or OA whatever. or whatever. Yeah. You do this and it's it's a way of trying to mitigate risk, right? It's a way of trying to generate a very similar response every time because it worked for me so it must work for everybody else. And the positive spin on that is you're, you're trying to provide a consistent client experience. So mm. there is like good intentions behind it, right? Absolutely. But it feels like sometimes it actually ends up just as a controlling... Or trying to control every outcome, right? Well, I'm pretty sure, and, and, you know, Ryan, you might say the same thing about longevity, but if you were told, like, here is the protocol for every condition, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't really inspire people to think differently or um, to, to work with the person that's sitting in front of them. It's quite cagey and it's quite like, oh, okay, well, I'll just go back to the drawing board. And if, if it didn't work, it's not my fault. It's... it's mm their fault or it's mm. the, the system's fault mm. um, which again doesn't work for the patient's or the client's best interest at all mm. um, yeah you, you, you can't do that with like a holistic approach profession anyway like how do you how do you do a cookie cutter approach to one like one person to the next it's like not possible mm. Mm. everyone's Five different three. everyone mm. is different and like, you know, yeah, I can't prescribe the same program to, to two people with two different, um, well, with the, with the same presentation and get the same results. It just doesn't work mm. like that. Or someone's going to fucking love it and the next person's going to hate it. Mm. It's like if swimming was the most researched and most evidence-based, uh, evidence-based protocol for uh, treating a certain condition and I gave it to someone who hates swimming, uh, it doesn't matter that it's the most evidence space. <laughs> they're going to fucking hate it. Yeah. <laughs> then they're not going to do it and then they don't get better. So I was like, it's just, it's Why just am I in a simple. swimming pool? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I can't swim. Now I'm drowning. <laughs> yeah. Not great. Not great. <laughs> how do you, um, how do you think you learn to release control? Now, I'm not circuit that came across the wrong way. And, and I don't mean that, like, you were controlling Andrew in, <laughs> in like, a, you, everyone must do this the, this way. Um, how do you get to a point where um, you realised, okay, I, I can't um, control everything? I think that's part of the realisation that you cannot control everything. Um, part of it is, part of it is a acknowledgement that there are other people that are smarter than me. And I think this is what we did very early on 
in in rebound is very early on there were a, like a lot of people that clinically were of a hell of a lot smarter than me mm. like Lauren yourself soul mm. and when you were communicating about you know what was going on with a patient or, or things <coughs> like this huh, I don't know what's going on here so I should shut the fuck up and not have an opinion on this um, I was I was reading a book recently. Um, uh, it's Ray Dalio uh, principles. Great book. Great book. What are the? You the, really are a reader. Look at him. It's a cracking book. It's your I, third I book. reckon we would have a similar reading list. This is your third book reference this episode already. <laughs> it's book club, yeah. yeah. Book club, <laughs> absolutely. The honest book club. <laughs> one one of the things that I took from his book was about know when to have an opinion, and know when not to. And to, to your point before about social media, like there is everybody and his fucking dog has got an opinion about everything mm. on social media. And what I took from that book was it is okay not to have an opinion about certain things. So for me to release control, in inverted commas, about certain things was a decision not to have an opinion about it and to let other people have that opinion on behalf of Rebound because mm. they were smarter, they were getting good results with clients like the the when that happened there wasn't this string of terrible results with clients yeah, right yeah. there was this track record of again and again people providing great feedback mm. on the experience that they had and on the journey that they had and on hey look now I can do all of these other things mm. like it wasn't your shit I feel worse mm. this is terrible where's Andrew <laughs> <laughs> he's doing the movement screen in the back um but I think that was also built off just like getting experience and, and learning how to do it well. So it's very easy to step back when you, when you have a team that's able to, and you can see it, like able to provide an amazing experience for clients and get them doing what is meaningful to them. Mm. Is that similar to you, Ryan? Like the, the more responsibility that you've taken on as a, as a leader, um, do you find it now easier to let let your team kind of experiment and try things and, and you just kind of sit into the background? Um, I guess like the context is a bit different. Like I've seen it with the older, the more experienced practitioners. Like that's definitely something um, that you would, you know, struggle with. Um, and it's so good, by the way, to hear from a business owner um, with experience um, and I love yeah Ray Dalio's like believability weighted decision making so like you got two people with great logic I'm going to go to the more experienced one um, yeah that that's just such a good principle in, in healthcare as well um, the yeah the, the thing the thing that I think helps is just picking up the phone and having like a discussion with someone who you think is believable um, and experienced. I'm definitely not going to preach to, you know, I've never come across any like safety concerns. That would be obviously something that you jump out at. Um, so would you like, I think when it's like, okay, the intention to treat is really good. 
makes enough sense like it's all good um but yeah definitely like happy to have like meaningful discussions around um around you know colleagues prescriptions um but definitely not like inserting my opinion mm. like this is better from mm. in my opinion like no like you've got a logical plan back you in 100 percent let's see how it goes and evaluate after i think that's that's one of the key like characteristics or traits or whatever you want to call it of like really great leaders is it's not on me to tell you how to do your job i'll question you on it Mm. like i'll make you think about it and i'll make you like almost justify what you're doing to me but that's more for you to get it into your head like yeah, I've thought about it twice. I still think this is the best thing as opposed to like me coming in and going, well, I would have done this differently mm. and that's wrong because XB, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and to just like your job is not to fix the practitioners. Yeah. Your job is to just ask them questions yeah. and, and test what it is that they're, they're doing. Um, I think you get better responses yeah it comes back to the idea of experiential learning where people are going to learn better if they try something themselves and then can reflect on their own experience of doing something that's when that's when they'll learn rather than uh being told and having the information go in one ear and 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 go out the other right but they need to go and try something And, and i think that is hard for a mentor or a leader to go uh that's, that's not exactly how I do it. I won't say that. Um, but go for it. Give it a go. See what happens. And then I'll be here to help you reflect on it afterwards. Uh, and then we can see how we go from there. Yeah. I think something down the track that might lead to... I haven't experienced this, but if, if you've come across someone that's made a couple of mistakes and they haven't brought it to you, I think that's that would be a red flag because you're like, I'm going to have to watch this person closer mm. like. And that would be like on you because you've hired them. Um, but I think just preventatively, like if you can encourage a culture of like bringing challenges to you preventatively and like proactively, then like, you know, you're all learning from that. And um, yeah, if you've got someone who's maybe got a bigger ego, happy to do it themselves, too proud to come to you with challenges, like that would be a management challenge. Mm. Have you experienced that? Other than me. No, I'm kidding. Of <laughs> <Last> course. <laughs> Just stick to the podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, those people are no longer here. Uh, <laughs> oh, sigh of relief. <laughs> yeah, Archibald. Um, <laughs> um, and it's not... It, it, the reason I think that those people are no longer here is more the rigidity in their thinking that I am right and in spite of what evidence or evidence-based practice or information that's coming up through the internal professional development that we do, in spite of all that, I'm still going to do it a different way. And I think over time those people sort of moved further and further away like it wasn't a 
you're fired because you do it differently to us. It was just like, mm, this isn't the way that we do things here. We don't do the same thing with every person that comes in. Hmm. And I feel like the, the practitioner or the person themselves also feels that disconnect. And then they often fall out of love with what they're doing and where they're doing it. And I feel like often it's kind of led to people leaving themselves. If mm. they go, this isn't really vibing with how I like to do things. Mm. Um, everyone here seems to do things a different way. It's like, okay, great. Cool. Well, we're clearly not a good match for each other then. Mm. And that's fine. Yes. Yeah, like like you're not bad. Exit. They're not bad. It's yeah. just not a match. We just do no. things different way. And, and you'll probably find a, another place that actually resonates really well with the way that you want to practice. Like, great. Go and, go and do it there. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No. Go, go do something there. No. Go do something else. <laughs> go and fuck out. Yeah. No, that wasn't in relation to anyone. No, I was just <laughs> throwing in the fuck off for the sake of it. <laughs> Can I ask a, a question? Please. Moving on? Um, so you mentioned principles. Mm. Um, I, I definitely have found that some of the best, rate, uh, best leaders that I've come across, whether it's sport or business or just through like the the podcast networks like reading is such a common theme how how have you used reading and in, in your career and like i guess like i'm assuming you're a prolific reader somewhat is that true and what influence have books had on your your leadership i i enjoy reading i have always enjoyed reading um i read in different ways, I suppose. I, um, when I run, I listen to books. When I drive in the car, unless I'm sitting in quiet, because I have a, like a 15, 20 minute drive home and I, I really enjoy what you said before about like just switching off and having quiet in the car, um, I definitely do that regularly. Um, but I listen to audio books and then I'll read um, before I go to bed at night. That's sort of a, a wind down thing for me. Um, and it's, and the books that have had the most influence on me have not come from allied health. They've definitely come from outside, um, which I think is one of those transition things that the practitioners also go through is, um, I went through it. Like, you know, you first learn about professional development from ESSA and then you learn about it from a slightly wider network. And then you learn about it from you know, physiotherapy and Cairo, and then you sort of go a little bit further out and a bit further out. And the, the biggest lessons that I've learned have come from further distance away from exercise physiology as a, as a resource. Um, I mean, we've, we've kind of got books everywhere in here. Um, we do too. Ignore some of them. They're, 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 they're all con- clinical. <laughs> they're, all, they're all clinical. There's, there's some old oh, ones yeah, in there. A bit of a- Jocko Willick. Um, That's good stuff. That's awesome. How about a Jamie's Italian kitchen? (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, and... and, Yeah, um, I hear, yeah. Like, we we include books now as part of our induction for new team members, right? We give people um, Dead Elite by Brene Brown as their sort of first... Love that. um, And then Radical Candor by Kim Scott. mm. Mm. Um, So, yeah... Absolutely. Like reading is, is such an important part of what it is that 
that I do and from a practitioner through to being a business owner, I think that's fundamental. For you, have there been any kind of standout mm. books that you've read? Like any top top three recommendation for... Oh, it's like asking me my favorite <laughs> food. I'm just like, so many. But um, I'm not going to give you a, a very clear answer here i'll just pick three that i can think of um yeah i think principles was good um there were so many things in that that apply to business and leadership um and just life in general uh i would also say thinking fast and slow Mm. by daniel kahneman um just like massive dose of humility on you know the limitations of our our thinking and and our biases. I think that's a a good awareness for a healthcare practitioner to have. Oh, can't get up my audible. It hasn't. <laughs> third place does not go to anything exercise or or even health related. Um, I mean, I like Nassim Taleb's books for a similar reason. Um, like he's obviously quite arrogant which rubs me the wrong way but he's a a mathematician um talks about like you know again like the the biases of our thinking and um you know how you can be fooled by randomness um which is just like so relevant to healthcare again Mm. um yeah i'll I'll go with those three but they're definitely probably not my top three um Mm. just after a couple of wines it's just like what have I even? Yeah. <laughs> what did I do yesterday? What's like, what was breakfast today? Yeah. <laughs> what books have I read? What was my favorite? Yeah. What was my favorite coffee today? The Bible. <laughs> Great book. Great uh, book. Read that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, who's that by? Oh, so Many people. No, no, no. Let's not go down. Archie, Archie, you just ruined book club. So religion. No, I won't go there. It's a good book. Well, you, you. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to pause it right there, end of part one with Ryan. Uh, We're going to, you know, I'm so excited that we're going to come back in a week's time to release part two. We've got another 45 minutes to go. We've still got so much good content to get through. We get to the second half of the bottle of wine, so it gets a lot better. All right, we'll see you next time.